welcome back to another episode of Fantasy Football with Gumbo. Uh, my name is Ja. Hey, you know it's always Dugo over here. How's it going, folks? We got another show for you guys. Uh, another show where we talk about fantasy football. We talk about tips. We give you tricks. And hopefully, I guess, we provide good advice as to what you should do with your week-to-week lineup. Uh, and this week, we're focusing on week three. So tonight, uh, as you guys will see, we'll have the Browns and the Steelers on TV. Uh, this episode, I want to talk about some flex plays that you guys can maybe find some value in. Uh, guys who can be, you know, uh, game day starters, game day streamers for you. Yeah, boy! We want to talk about some other stuff, including Trey Lance and the injury out in San Francisco. Uh, matter of factly, I guess let's just jump right into it. Let's talk about it. Yeah, man. So, obviously, Trey Lance had a devastating injury. I mean, right in the first quarter, I think it was. And, obviously, you all have probably heard he's out for the season. You know, you, you have this guy in your dynasty league. How would you uh, – how are you reacting to the situation? And uh, what? Are, how are you, like, dealing with him as a roster spot in your league? Well, I'd assume, you know – if you guys are playing in Dynasty, hopefully you have IR slots. And obviously that's where I would probably put him for now. As far as trading him, as far as keeping Trey Lance on my team, that's a tough decision, man. And if you have Trey Lance, you've probably been waiting for the last couple of years for him to break out. Right, man. I bet it's super frustrating for this to happen. You've been waiting for him to show that explosion. And you've been looking for, you know, anything that'll prove you right. Um, in regards to supporting him as the number three pick out of the draft. Uh, Trey Lance is a guy with a bright future. I'm not cutting bail yet. I think one of two things are going to happen. There's a rumor that says that Trey Lance could be healthy before the end of the year. Interesting. That's big news. Trey Lance is the guy this year who there's going to be a ton of hype come November, December because of uh, you know, because of these rumors going around right now about him potentially being healed up before the end of the season. I don't think that's a thing. I think that they're all in on Jimmy Garoppolo this year. And I, once again, bring it back to say that I think one of two things happens with Trey Lance. I think Trey Lance either gets traded, which I think is a really real possibility. I don't know how much Kyle Shanahan wanted Trey Lance in the first place. It sounds like that could be a Ted York and John Lynch decision that obviously, you know, he had to kind of overcome and he had to figure out. I think he's happy as hell that Jimmy G's back. I think it was kind of... Reckless to be running your quarterback on QB power runs on second and eight in the first quarter when you have two or three healthy running backs. That just makes no fucking sense. I mean, it's just bullshit. Fuck. But I say all that to say, uh, Trey Lance is someone that I think you should hold on to. I wouldn't sell him yet, guys. Chill out. Wherever he starts, whenever he starts, he's going to be a productive quarterback. He has a solid rushing floor. And I think that this is going to be a blessing in disguise because I think that he's going to realize kind of some of uh, what went wrong this year. And I think he's going to go out there next season, and he's going to be a much better passer. I think he's going to work on his mechanics. He's going to work on his passing mechanics. He's going to make sure that he has his head in the playbook, and I think he's going to come back better for it. So wish him Godspeed, but uh, I, I don't think that you guys should be getting rid of Trey Lance anytime soon. Yeah, no doubt, man. I I'd say I pretty much agree with everything that you just said, other than the fact that there's a possibility he might get traded. I don't I don't think that he is in any position to get traded at all. I think that they drafted this guy with a first round draft pick. They had to trade away like three or like three 
first round picks, et cetera, et cetera, to get this guy. I I think that they're gonna stick with him. I think that's obviously a part of the plan. Um, so yeah, I would say as far as like your dynasty leagues, definitely hold on to this cat. He's gonna be the starter next year. Uh, say all that to say, you know, like Godspeed to him. Obviously, best wishes. He's not gonna be starting this year, folks. So uh, yeah, yeah, don't 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 get your hopes up at the end of the season when you're scrambling for a quarterback before a playoff push. Right, man. Yo, speaking of quarterbacks, though, I want to bring it back to redraft because that's what's on everyone's mind. Right. Everyone has a team right now that's either 2-0, and 1-1, or 0-2. Right. A quarterback who came out of nowhere and he fucking lit it up the first couple of weeks is Carson Wentz out in Washington. Yeah, dude, it's kind of getting crazy. Like I mean, Carson Wentz is your boy. It's He's not necessarily my boy. Like I had zero faith in this guy doing anything and... I thought Washington. He was, oh, like honestly, like I didn't think this was gonna be a good situation at all. And before my eyes, I'm being proven wrong at least the first two weeks. Uh, I mean, one thing I will say is it seems like he is still throwing the ball recklessly. So that hasn't changed. But I mean, he's still a ball. You a hater, dog? Bro, he's still a ball. <laughs> you a slinging. hater, bro? He's slinging the ball though. And hey, I, I will say one thing though. Like when it comes to Carson Wentz, and if you by chance have this person on the wire or anything like that. I say that Jahan Dotson, if he is either in your bench or in your waiver wires, yo, like, this guy is definitely worth a flex spot at this point. I think regardless of, you know, like, what the projections are or anything like that, I think that he's definitely shown that he's a red zone threat, and he, he's going to try to get in the end zone at any point necessary, and Carson Wentz likes to look for him. So that's just my two cents on the commanders. Like, I'm super surprised about those guys. Gang, if you haven't already, go back to episode 19. Episode 19 is literally called Jahan Dotson. And in that episode, we go ahead and give you guys a breakdown of what we thought Jahan Dotson could be. And this was recorded June 10th of uh, 2022. So that's well before the season. Jahan Dotson's a star. I don't want to say we told you so, but we told you so. And Carson Wentz is obviously probably my number one surprise for the... uh, for furry draft this year. The dude's been incredible. Yeah, I mean, like, as far as, like, waiver wire pickups, I mean, Carson Wentz is definitely one of those guys that I feel like everyone was kind of surprised by. I don't think anyone really drafted him. Um, I will say one thing, though, when it comes to Jahan Dotson, yeah, like, obviously he's, like, the three on that team right now, but, I mean, especially, like, against Philly, who seems like they are pretty stellar defense against the Vikings and everything. I still think that he's going to be a good play, especially in that slot position. Like, don't count this guy out. He's definitely still worth your flex. For sure. And, uh, yeah, Wentz, if you got Wentz, you probably got him off waivers. You probably went QB late. He was your sub in QB, and you are happy as hell right now. Your team is probably undefeated. Definitely, dude. Yeah, it's ridiculous, like, the fact that he's put up that many points already. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't think that was going to happen. I really didn't. I thought he was going to be breaking his ankles on both plays. Fucking disrespect. Or on both ankles in the same play. Like, that's some bullshit. Hey, if you guys are enjoying the episode, do us a favor and go ahead and give us a follow on whatever audio platform you're currently streaming on. It goes a long way towards supporting the show, and it lets us know that you guys enjoy the content. Uh, Back to the episode. Uh, But no, speaking of surprises this year, there's another guy who's been fucking going crazy. He's a wide receiver. He plays for the Jacksonville Jaguar, and he goes by the name of Christian Kirk. Oh, dude, this guy is sick. Like, I thought he was going to be good when he went to Jacksonville. Like, I just thought that him and uh, Trevor Lawrence were going to have a really good connection. And it's been proven indubitably. 
Christian Kirk is the number seven wide receiver in fantasy right now. I mean, mind you, this is only two weeks in, but I mean, it's something to kind of, you know, really look at and behold because he's getting a lot of targets. Like, that's the thing. Like, if he's just popping off with, like, just, like, a couple targets per game, I'd be a little more sketched. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he's getting those targets, man, like, it's, like, it seems good to be true. Like, it, it seems like this guy is going to consist, I feel like he's going to be, like, a maintained, like, top 15 throughout the year. Here is why we were so excited for Christian Kirk. It was because the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be a team that has a really high passing volume. We saw it last year. Trevor Lawrence threw the ball over 600 times. Christian Kirk's going to be the number one guy who's going to have the number one target share, and so far that's held true. Yeah, I mean, if you look at that defense, it's full of holes, so they're going to be playing from behind usually. Do you understand how a 20% target share out of 600 attempts, how that breaks down? That's a crazy amount. That's, I don't know the raw math, that's about 120-ish, 125-ish targets. And to be honest, I think his target share is even crazier. I think it's even higher. It could be, yeah. But that's just, that's that's basement level. He's looking at about 125, 130 targets this year. Now, these are also going to be deep targets because he's a deep threat. Yeah. My guy just gets chunk yardage. He scores touchdowns. He gets red zone looks. And he's always involved in the game plan. And the Jaguars never stop throwing the ball, really. Yeah, man. And he is, like, he's special enough to get you some really good yak as well. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing about him. And he's an overall good receiver. So, yeah, man, if you guys were lucky enough to go out there and snag this guy, what, in, like, the sixth, seventh, whatever it might have been, mm-hmm. good job because you guys might have just stole the draft. I mean, that's a really good pickup. I had him on my horizons but never pulled the trigger. Really? Why? Well, I just, at the end of the day, I just thought that the Jacksonville Jaguars offense was kind of going to be bullshit. Bullshit. I don't know. Like, I didn't think it was going to be that great. I thought that ETN was going to be a lot more involved in the passing work. I think there's still time for that, too. There, There is, but I think right now that Christian Kirk and Trevor Lawrence have developed the relationship that they have through the games that they've played, I definitely think that, I mean... Christian Kirk is going to be out there more often than Trevor Etienne, it seems like. It seems like James Robinson is going to be number one. For sure. He's the number one receiver. Right. So, all that being said, Christian Kirk, yeah, he's definitely, uh, yeah, I I slipped on him. I didn't think he was going to be this great, and he is. Yeah. Yeah, he he, he went in, like, the sixth-ish round. Right. So, he went around that Michael Thomas, uh, somewhat, I guess you could say, Drake London tier. Okay. Those three guys have all popped the fuck off this year, bro. Michael Thomas, Drake London, and Christian Kirk. I mean, I don't know if you want to call it popping off. I feel like they've definitely been effective for where you've drafted them. But as far as, like, popping off, I think they've definitely... I feel like they've done probably just a little bit better than expectations. So, in... Realistically. Through two weeks, which I know, guys, it's only two weeks, Drake London is wide receiver 14 in all of fantasy football. Over the course of this season alone, he's seen 19 targets in two games, mm-hmm. 13 catches, one touchdown, and he catches the ball or he gets about 12 yards per catch. Okay. His target share is incredible. It's beating out Kyle Pitts. He's the number one option in an offense, which if you're drafting him there, you're relying on that volume, right? right. His value comes in him being a wide receiver one for a team. Damn near. Christian Kirk is a different kind of prototype because he's going to see a few less targets potentially, but his t- quarterback is better. Mm-hmm. 
his average depth of target is going to be larger. And he's a game breaker, right? He's a quick, shifty, agility, fucking driven kind of guy. And when I look at the two of those guys and where they went, I like Drake London's value a tad more. So you might have gotten Drake London a little bit ahead of Christian Kirk. But that touchdown potential's there. That target share is there. You know he's going to get peppered. And because he's so young, Drake London never again is probably going to go as a sixth-round receiver. This is probably the one and only year in his career where he goes as a sixth-round guy, barring a year where he comes back from injury. Um, if I had to pick between Drake London and Christian Kirk, I'd probably go Christian Kirk. Yeah, I'd, I'd be on the same boat as that. I mean, I just feel like, kind of like what you said, I feel like just the yak for Christian Kirk, I think that that is huge. And mind you, Christian Kirk, I mean, I don't know if he's really shown it much this season, but he could do some, uh, you know, carry work as well, and he can give you that extra little wrinkle to that offense, which I don't know if Drake London would obviously give you. Mm. Obviously, these are just for redraft. I think in Dynasty, obviously, I would go with Drake London. Is there anyone else who's kind of... Is there anyone else, I guess, who's kind of surprised you at all? Well, there's been a couple big surprises, man. When I'm thinking about the surprises, at least when I'm looking at my team, and I don't want to be riding my team the whole time, but Jalen Waddle has been a huge surprise for me, dog. I definitely took, uh, I mean, mind you, I drafted him with the right value. Obviously, it was end of the fourth, so it could have gone, it could have gone either way, but... I think that Jalen Waddle definitely has surprised the hell out of me. I mean, he's the wide receiver five right now. I thought that he was either going to be like, you know, like wide receiver like 15, or I thought it was going to be bad and he was going to be like wide receiver 30. So him being wide receiver five and number seven overall, huge surprise for me. Absolutely love it. Do you have any like quick surprises or what, what has surprised you, I guess, so far? Yo, just a quick point about Jalen Waddle. Yeah. Yo, the balls it takes to go and get Jalen Waddle before guys like Brandon Cooks, Michael Thomas, Marquise Brown, Gabe Davis, Juju, all these other guys who had a lot of hype coming into the year. Yeah. That was a bold move, man. And so far as you've been proven right, you got a, the number five receiver in all of fantasy football in the fourth round. Yeah. That's End a great. Some of you guys did too, and that's how you win your leagues. You go and get guys who you can rely on early in the draft, around rounds four, five, six, is where you get your league winners. And that's something that we talked about before before the start of the season. Um, and we're kind of seeing a lot of that come to fruition, once again, with guys like Jalen Waddle. Michael Thomas is my surprise of the year. Okay. We knew MT was MT. Right. But we just hadn't seen it in two years. So far through two weeks, him and Christian McCaffrey both look good. Michael Thomas is the number eight, number eight wide receiver in all of fantasy football. Very surprised. When you look at targets over the last two weeks, he averages about nine targets a game. Around, you know, five, six catches. Touchdown damn near every game. But he looks like someone that Jameis Winston can rely on when it comes to third downs. When it comes to important plays. And uh, I think that he's going to sustain his value that he currently has. Chris Olave is someone that I expect to get better mm-hmm. as the season progresses. But I think that Michael Thomas can stack enough points in the first half of the season to keep him in conversation for being overall. And overall, maybe wide receiver one by the end of the year. 
Doug, I I love your enthusiasm about Michael Thomas because, I mean, I think that he has the ability to do it. My biggest thing about him, though, is I feel like at some point he is going to sustain an injury. And so I feel like with that... Why would you say that? Well, I just feel like even, like, before, like, I feel like with Breeze, like, he still, like, had some injuries and stuff before, like, that two-year stint. And I feel like, obviously, he hasn't gotten younger. You know, like, I feel like at some point, just, like, naturally, I feel like he's going to sustain some sort of injury. I don't know if it's going to be, like, season-ending or whatever. But I do think he's going to miss a couple games at some point, and so I don't know if his... You think he's injury-prone? I do. I absolutely do. And plus, like you had mentioned with uh, Chris Olave, I feel like at some point, they're going to want to integrate him more into the game plan because, I mean, they drafted him in the first round. Chris Olave was pick 11 in the NFL draft. So, yeah, exactly. So, I do feel like they are going to integrate that guy into the game plan. Yep. I feel like right now, obviously, like you said, important plays, third downs. Obviously, you got to go to Old Reliable. You yep. know, got to go to the well. And yep. that's Michael Thomas. And obviously, yep. with this last game, they didn't have yep. <laughs> Alvin Kamara <laughs> playing. So, you know, when you went to the well, it was Michael Thomas for you. And I feel like that's commendable. And I do feel like, yeah, around that sixth round, I thought that that was a little too much for me. But how he's produced so far is promising. Let's just see if he can get another touchdown. Because right now, he has two touchdowns in that one game. And... He didn't have one, I believe, in this last one. I agree. Uh... So let's get him back into the t- end zone. I, I feel like he does have value, though, guys. I, I'm, I'm surprised by him. So as we listen to this uh, podcast right now, we are approximately a few hours before Thursday Night Football. Uh, there's going to be some lineup decisions that you guys have to make. All you guys who drafted Amari Cooper, all you guys who drafted Kareem Hunt, some of you guys might even have David Njoku, you're all wondering, God damn it, do I start him this week or do I start another guy with more upside? So what me and Dugo want to do is uh, we want to give you guys some flex plays and some high upside plays this week that we think that you should take You should take some consideration into. Time to do some sketchy shit. Doo-dah, doo-dah. Hope I get away with it. Oh, da doo day. First, before we get to those, Jahia, tell me, what are your thoughts on Amari Cooper, Kareem Hunt? Do you think that those are solid locks for the week, or would you look elsewhere? Well, okay. So, let's get into it then. Amari Cooper's playing the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Right, both of them are. Both those guys are on the Browns. So, the Pittsburgh Steelers defense hasn't been anything, I guess, to worry about as far as uh, playing your receivers. So, when I think about Amari Cooper... I think that he's going to see his regular six or seven targets. He'll convert maybe half of those, maybe get four catches. Uh, if his average depth of targets around, I don't know, let's say 10 yards, 11 yards, he's probably good for about 45 yards, four or five catches, and you're really hoping for a touchdown. Thursday night football, short week. I know Nick Chubb just had a big game, so I don't know how hard they run the ball again, but this feels like a Kareem Hunt week. Mm-hmm. So I think that Kareem Hunt could see some uh, some positive regression. Uh, and I think he sees a lot more rushing work than he saw last week in which he only had about a handful of carries. Right, right. Long story short, if I'm starting Amari Cooper, he has to be started as a flex for me. Okay. And I'm definitely starting Kareem Hunt. I'd probably even put him in the RB2 uh, territory. Yeah, I would agree, man. I think right now I feel like... You know, obviously Kareem Hunt went off in that first game against the Panthers. And then... He had he he had eight point five and half PPR against the Jets this past week, 
And they do have a pretty good linebacking core and everything, so commend them for that. And obviously, they probably worked Nick Chubb a little harder last week as well. Yeah. So I do think that going into the short week against the Steelers, I think that Kareem Hunt definitely could be the lead dog. And, I mean, regardless of if it's running, if it's pass work out of the backfield, I think Kareem Hunt right now, he's projected for 9.7 and half PPR. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes for about, like, 15 or so. Yo, being a Steelers fan, honestly, would be kind of dank. Why? I feel like that team has been so well-ran for so many years, similar to, like, the Packers. You know, yeah, I, I I definitely agree. I don't, like, I don't see why it wouldn't be dank. I feel like what would suck is being, like, a Browns fan. Oh, that'd be terrible. Yeah. Who do you have won in this game between the Steelers and the Browns? You know, that's kind of a toss-up for me, but right now, i probably have to go with the Steelers. What about you? I'd say the Browns, and i say that Mitch Trubisky probably gets benched either this week or next week. I can see that happening. He was so mid last week, bro. He's been so mid this whole year. It's been interesting to see him play, obviously, yeah. I it's, mean, are you even like in Superflex League, are, are you starting, Mitch? No, no. Like, I can't even rely on him to get... There's no week where I feel safe saying that Mitch Trubisky could pass for more than... I don't know, 250 yards. For sure. Like, I never feel safe saying that, and he's never going to have some 100-yard rushing performance, in my opinion. No doubt, man. I think that... I he's, think I just don't like his upside. It's just super capped, super low ceiling, and you play him in desperation if you play him. Right. No doubt. I definitely agree. But let's, uh, let's flip it back to some other really interesting flex plays. Do you have anyone in mind that... I mean, when you're just looking through those mid-ish... You know, like uh, players that you might have on your bench. Mm-hmm. Maybe you already have them in your flex, but you know that they're never going to take up a true, like, RB1, receiver one. You know, like one of those spots. Like, do you have anyone this week that you think could be special for you? Uh... Let's go with Jacoby Myers. So, really weird matchup because he plays the Ravens, and everyone knows that the Ravens have an amazing defense. Right. I think that this ends up being one of those games to where Belichick and Harbaugh kind of have a coach-off. It's one of those closely, um, one of those closer games. Right. I think that the Patriots' defense is tailor-made for a guy like Lamar Jackson. They're going to have a QB spy on him all game, and Bill Belichick's going to go ahead and shut that down. Right. So, Lamar's going to be forced to beat him by the pass. Okay. I said all that fucking shit just to say that Jacoby Myers is a guy that I want against the Baltimore Ravens defense. He's going to get pepper targets. Nelson Aguilar is probably his closest competition in terms of that. Most likely. And he's going to be the number one guy on an offense. So what do we want in fantasy? We want number ones. And Jacoby is someone that, you know, right now I think he's ranked somewhere in like the 20s as far as wide receiver rankings. But most of y'all probably saw him on waivers um, if not, you saw him as a really late draft pick only a couple weeks ago. Right, man. I mean, in our uh, in our redraft league, he went in the 13th round. I mean, like, that's crazy for, like, a number one. So, right now, he's currently ranked wide receiver 23, 62 overall. All right? This isn't half PPR. I really like Jacoby Myers because what we've seen the last few weeks between the Baltimore Ravens uh, defensive back squad... It's yep. kind of shysty. So what I like about this play is that Jacoby Myers is going to see some, I think, deep balls because it seems like lately, especially against the Miami Dolphins, obviously they were up 
early and you know maybe there was some lost translation between the defensive backs but they gave up a lot of deep balls and I think that Belichick is going to want to take advantage of that and so Jacoby Myers could fill that role I, I mean, can see it so that's just why I like this as definitely a flex play if you have you know the liberty of throwing him in your two I could understand it but I think that if he's your two you might be losing this week Jacoby Myers is a solid wide receiver three for your team this week yeah he's definitely a great flex play for sure um another guy that I want to get into we talked about him we had an entire episode named after him he's a wide receiver on the Washington Commanders whose name we've already brought up Jahan Dotson is somebody who may not be a secret anymore but he's someone that was also another guy who was drafted fairly late in, in, in drafts. We're talking about damn near double-digit rounds. If even drafted at all, damn near. Jahan Dotson is severely outperforming his ADP. He looks like a dog out there. He was a first-round pick for a reason. And I don't think that this is a fluke. I don't think that this is something that's going to go away anytime soon. Uh, looking back at it, Terry McLaurin was drafted by the regime a year before Ron Rivera came over and coached the Washington Commanders. Yep. So he was not Ron Rivera's investment. But, but they did invest in him. They, they did invest him. in him. They gave him money, and they like him. But they went out and got this guy, Jahan Dotson, in the first round, above all these other positions that they could probably use help on as far as like the offensive line goes, uh, the linebacking room. They went out and got this guy first round, and they plan to incorporate him. Right. He's going to see probably over 100 targets this year, rookie year, and that's just the trend in the NFL. Rookie receivers are great. Right, man, especially those first-rounders. I mean, they're coming out NFL ready for the most part. I think, yeah, Jahan Dotson's definitely going to see some valuable targets down the road. I don't think that it's necessarily going to go down at all. I think he's seeing about, like, what, like four or five targets a game damn near, but he's making the most of them. And so if he's doing that, he might see more. Bro, look at all the jobs just doing well. And just, just, I mean, out there killing I'd shit, say bro. half you guys are. Oh, but, Hey, if we want to talk about another rookie receiver, though, that I think is a pretty good flex play going into this weekend, I would say Traylon Burks, my boy. My boy! This play against the Raiders, I think, is honestly going to end up being in Traylon Burks' favor. I think, obviously, we have, you know, I'm a huge stand of Derrick Henry, and I think that he's going to be able to feast this weekend, too. But I think that what we've been seeing recently is Traylon Burks is typically getting, you know, more targets each week. And I don't know if it's going to continue the trend, but I really believe it is. And I think that this guy is going to start blowing up, and I think it might happen this week. I think that Traylon Burks is someone who I'm not sure the offense is using correctly right now. They kind of have him lined up more so as a traditional receiver. They'll obviously, you know, kind of toss him in the slot to make a mismatch. Right. And uh, he's being used kind of like a slot receiver. I don't think that's his strong suit. I think that he's a guy who had a lot of success in college moving around the field. And I would like to see them put Traylon Burks in motion more often. Give this guy more of a Debo Samuels type of role. You can even say now a Curtis Samuels type of role who's been going crazy with it this year. And allow this man to touch the ball in unconventional ways. Because when you have an unconventional 6'2", 6'3", 225 monster fucking just running around bigger than everyone else... When you got Traylon Burks just coming downhill ready to hit motherfuckers. 
that's a recipe for success. We've seen it happen with Debo. We're going on three years now. Right. They need to start using this guy differently. I think this offense is going to see some change midseason if Ryan Tannehill continues to struggle. Yeah, dude. I mean, I know it's a little off topic, but what were your thoughts on them throwing in Malik Willis at the end of the third? Do you think that was just like, hey, kid, like we just need to get Ryan Tannehill out of here? Or do you think that they actually want to make it a competition? I think they just turned a loss into a win. And so they were down 41-7 or something like that. Some shit, yeah. So at that point, just bring your rookie in, give him a quarter of real NFL gameplay. Mm-hmm. And that'll benefit you down the road when you need it, right? Like, the more experience, the better, kind of. Right. So, I don't think too much into it. Um, this is Ryan Tannehill's job, unless they go, like, 0-5 or 0-4. They lose out the whole month. No doubt. I Yeah, I even then, I feel like it's pretty secure, honestly, for the most part. Unless Malik has been doing some godly things in practice or something. I just don't know if I saw enough in uh, yep. preseason. Bro, one person I do want to talk about, though... Like, this is, like, a really big surprise for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously, this is kind of a surprise play for some people as well, depending on, you know, who is rostered, depending on the league, et cetera, et cetera. But I really think that Hayden Hurst is going to blow up this week. You love Hayden Hurst, bro. Bro, I really do. I really do, dog. I really do. So, on the year, he has 15 targets. He has 10 catches in total. And he's been on the field... Just about 75, if not 80% of the uh, snaps. And I think that this week is going to give him the ability to kind of pop off, per se. I think that when you're spreading out this uh, Jets team, I think that with that uh, EJ Mosley, who is a stellar linebacker for the Jets, Mm -hmm. I think he's going to be stretched out a little too slim there. And I think that Hayden Hurst is going to be able to eat a little bit. And I think he's going to get his first touchdown of the year this game. I really do. And what do we like, guys? We like tight ends who score touchdowns. So I would say start this guy in your flex. If not, if you have like a kind of Bush League tight end, like if you have, shoot, honestly, even if like if you have like TJ Hawkinson and Hayden Hurst, I might start Hayden Hurst over him at this point because. It seems like the Lions want to take, like, give the ball to anyone other than T.J. Hawkinson. When I look at the Bengals and Jets game, I know that Sauce Gardner is going to be covering uh, Jamar Chase the entire game, probably. Definitely. T. Higgins is going to be a guy who's going to be playing whoever their number two DB is, and Hayden Hurst is someone up the middle that could he could have some impact. I'm not relying on a touchdown, but I think he's good for about a good, you know, four or five catches. Which, for a tight end, especially if you play PPR, is what you're looking for. Fair enough. So, I might be pretty high on him right now. But, nonetheless, I do think he has the ability to pop off this week, folks. Yo. A couple more guys we want to talk about. uh, Then we'll go ahead and wrap up the show. Um, But the next guy that I want to talk about is Raheem Mostert for the Miami Dolphins. Okay. He's playing the Bills this week. And he is a really... He's a guy with a lot of upside this week, in my opinion. Dog, I really don't know how I feel about starting like anyone against the Bills at this point. Like, I just, I just started D. Henny against them, mm-hmm. and D. Henny had eight points. Obviously, they didn't have much red zone work or anything like that. And obviously, with the passing ability that the Dolphins have, mm-hmm. they could be looking at more red zone work. And obviously, it's a different team and everything. But nonetheless, I'm just kind of. I'm not sure how I feel about starting a running back against these Bills. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, tell me what you like about him this week. Man, I liked him because last week in that competition that they had or in the game they had against the Ravens, uh, he went crazy. He ran 11 times for 51 yards. He all done three targets for 28 yards, and he was a large contributor in that in that big show-out game for Tua. In that comeback. In the comeback. And um, when I look at his usage and his production compared to Chase Edmonds this season, I mean, Chase, Edm- Chase Edmonds has had more touches because he is the, you know, 1A running back. But in terms of efficiency, man, like, uh, Raheem Mostert's kind of right there with him. You think that it might flip around and Raheem Mostert might be seeing some more carries down the line? I mean, he's familiar with the system. He's familiar with Mike McDaniels. Uh, going into week three, I mean, I think he's scored more points than Chase Edmonds has up to this point. Yeah, you're not wrong. Or I mean, Chase Edmonds has had his splash plays as well. He had that pretty long run against the Ravens as well. But nonetheless... I do think that this uh, this offense is tricky, especially with its running backs, and I just don't know how I feel about. They've they've scored the exact same amount of points. Really. And Ed, or I guess Moser to an extent has had less utility or had less utility in week one. Okay. And that script kind of got flipped last week. Nice. So I think it's a thing of uh you know Moser's capable of big plays. I think they're gonna need big plays, and they're gonna try to keep the ball out of the Bills' offensive. You know they're gonna they're gonna try to keep the ball out of Josh Allen's fucking hands, right? So they're gonna run the track, they're gonna run the ball, they're gonna try to uh, you know maintain time of possession. Yep. And if they get to a shootout, then they have the weapons to compete. No doubt. But I think the first thing you want to do is utilize that run game, and I think that in a zone run scheme with how Mike McDaniel's has shown to be a competent offensive coach, I think they can draw up some plays with the speedy guy like Mostert that he could break something off for you. Yeah, and, man. Um, that makes sense. I mean, I. I'm, I mean, you've kind of sold me on at least like throwing him in, in like a flex position if I need it. He's a cool flex play. But I just, I'm, a, I feel like I need to be, you know, like, I don't know, convinced just a little bit more, especially like with, you know, I feel like the Rams weren't extremely productive against them, like against the run or anything. I feel like Daryl Henderson had some productivity, but at the end of the day, like, it's just, it's interesting to me because it feels like, you know, like, especially in that position, I feel like Chase Edmonds might be getting more PPR work with that. Well, that's the thing, though. So, Mostert last week got his, you know, his three his three catches. He had 14 touches total. Two hours later. I don't know, man. Give me Raheem Mostert as a, uh, as a good flex play for me this week. I think he's good for double digits. Fair enough, man. I mean, when it comes to the Dolphins right now, especially with their running backs... Definitely with the running backs, if you have a wide receiver like Waddle or, obviously, Cheetah, go ahead and start them. You know, those are the locks. But I don't know if I like the running backs, personally. Go ahead and start them in your flex. So, especially Mostert, I feel like, going into this week. I just feel like it's just going to be a carousel, and we might might not ever be super comfortable, but we're going to have to do it to to see the points. He's good. He knows every aspect of this game. 14 touches last week. I think it's going to be a crazy offensive game against the Bills. Mm-hmm. Stardom, feel safe about it. You got a running back 1B for an NFL team starting. So Fair enough, man. Uh, give me one more player to start in my flex this week. Last guy I want you to start in your flex is a wide receiver, Nico Collins. Nico Collins. Interesting. The Nico Collins is set up, I think, for a really big week. 
so this week on Sunday, he plays the Chicago Bears. Okay. They'll be playing in Chicago. And I think that this is going to be one of those games that's a lot. Well, no one's thinking about the Bears and Texans game first off. Right. But I do think it's going to be a game where the game is pretty close. We've seen the Texans obviously tie and then lose a game. But all throughout the season so far, they've been competitive. Yeah. They've been competent. And they're going to play one of the worst offensive teams they've probably played up to date, which is the Chicago Bears. I mean, they did just play the Broncos, who have been shysty as of late, but nonetheless. Give me Russ over over <laughs> Justin Fields and his 190 passing yards in two games. That's fair. All I got to say is Nico Collins seems like the type of a guy who's due for a touchdown in the red zone. I think that uh, Davis Mills goes out there. Um, he puts his best foot forward. He was drafted in the same draft class as Justin Fields. So yep. he's playing, I guess you could say, his classmate to an extent. And I think that he wants to go out there and show people that he belongs. I got Nico Collins going for maybe around 12 to 14 points. Okay. I think he's good for a touchdown, like I said before. When you look at his uh, usage throughout the season, at least thus far, uh, every game the guy seems to go ahead and get you your steady, I don't know, like five-ish points. Yeah. Total uh, for the season, he's had about 12 targets. He had three targets game one. Nine targets game two. And I think game three is going to be the game where he might even take over Brandon Cooks and target share. I don't know if I would go that far to say he's going to overtake Brandon Cooks and target share. I do like him, though. I won't lie. Mm-hmm. I think that he's going to have some upside this week, especially against the Shiesty, uh Chicago defense. Mm-hmm. And while we're at it, one last flex play that you could definitely have from this team. I think that I'm safe to put Damian Pierce in a flex position at this point, too. Especially after his, what, 19 attempts this past week. I think that Lovey Smith definitely wanted to put emphasis that this was our guy going forward. And we definitely saw that. So I think that Damian Pierce definitely could be a play this week against the Bears. I mean, we saw that defensive line against the Packers. It wasn't amazing. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to want to emphasize that and take part in doing that. That's fair enough. Fair enough. Hey, yo, we appreciate you guys for tapping in with us. Uh, make sure you go ahead and subscribe to us on YouTube. Check out the channel there for more content. Uh, we'll tap in with you guys next week, Thursday. My name's Ja. Hey, appreciate y'all. Let's do go. Peace.